And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get right into it because there's a lot happening. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. Good to have all of you with us. Whether you are here live or not, that's fine. And if you are here live, you have more options to watch because today is our first kick live stream. We're going to see what happens. I don't know. So, yes, we are broadcasting to Odyssey, Rumble, Kick, Twitch, and YouTube right now. Uh, we'll see if the bandwidth can, happen, can handle it. Uh, welcome to all those who are listening to this as a podcast. There's plenty of places where you can find us that way. There's all sorts of the social media, the email address, live from the bunker at sci fi The Discord server is up and running. All right, I'm going to get all that stuff out of the way. That's done. Because we're talking about Hollywood chaos. And uh, Judah Engelmeyer is going to join us at the half hour. But right now. Standing by, if I can get there, Cameron Pasha, writer, producer, author, and uh, and Hollywood insider, scooper, reporter. I mean, how many labels can we throw on you, Cameron? Uh, I'm, I'm just me doing my thing. Uh, some people <laughs> like it, some people don't. That's the way the world works. Well, it's good to have you back. It's been a while. Now, um, I don't, you know, to be honest, with so many, so many different things going on, I'm not quite sure where to start. But let me, let me go back to <coughs> something that you had, had put forth as a theory uh, the last time you were on with Paul Chetto uh, with regard to the writer's strike. And I want to kind of circle back to this when Judah gets on here to get a PR take on this. But you were talking about the possibility that this strike was going to go at least past the point where they start to do the force majeure letters and cancel and it's totally done and finished and all of that. <coughs> and you're, you reported on your blog that you had two, uh, two different writers contact you to say that they had gotten those letters right at the 45, 46-day mark. And then we've got the news this week that Metropolis is the next one to go. Metropolis being canceled. That series not going forward at uh, at Apple TV. So how much do you think this is going to just keep going? I mean, is this going to be is this going to be the news of the day for a while? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, the in my opinion, uh, the studios wanted this scenario. They uh you know, they, they were also, in my opinion, uh, working uh, with a uh, Writers Guild leadership that is easily manipulated into this scenario. Uh, and they were they very much wanted a strike in order to uh, to close out uh, deals that they, you know, were contractually stuck with that didn't look like it's going to be economically beneficial to them. They did the same thing in 2007, 2008. Uh, at that time, I, I believe the force majeure clauses uh, extended uh, up till that you know, back it was quite a few years ago. It extended about three months, and so right at the three month, uh, uh, ninety day period, we saw a bunch of uh, you know uh, projects being canceled, a bunch of deals being canceled, and then ten days later, we had a deal. We had a deal, and and the uh, and you were all back to work. 
because uh, they got what they wanted out of it. And so we're in the same scenario here in 2023. Uh, it wasn't clear because our memories, many writers' memories, my memories from 2008 was that there was about three months before Force Major would be affected. But some people are saying, no, things have changed over the years. And a lot of the contracts are now 45 days. And so on day 45, day 46, uh, people started losing their projects. And I started getting emails. I've got uh, two emails, uh, one from a very well-known uh, showrunner, and he's like, oh, it looks like I just lost my it looks, uh, my overall deal. And then uh, then another one from a very well-known feature writer who said, I, I just had this big project at Netflix that just got canceled. And they got the letters on the same day. So, I mean, it, it was timed. It was planned. They were waiting for this. And, you know, Metropolis, as we've heard, you know, Sam Ismail's, uh, you know, sort of life project that he's been work developing for seven years at Apple, uh, they, they pulled. And, you know, it, it, there's probably going to be a, a, a few more of those coming. Right. Uh, the the challenge we're facing is that in, in 2008, we also had a very ideologically led guild. In fact, the idea of an ideological writer's guild was essentially created in 2008. I've written about it on my Patreon that we had uh, a gentleman named David Young who came in. He's from the Garment Workers Union in New York, uh, and he you know, sort of brought that old, old school you know, 1940s fight the man, fight the power, yeah. union union energy to the guild and fundamentally transformed the guild and made it from sort of a bunch of uh, of nerdy people sitting around, you know, who usually hired lawyers to do their negotiations to suddenly, we are the workers, we are the fighters, right? And now they're out negotiating themselves and, and taking very intense positions that are often very difficult to negotiate against. And we're in that situation now where we have an ideological guild. Uh, and they've taken a lot of positions that are very hard to back off from uh, because they've now convinced young people in the in the in the writers guild that they're going to hold to all these positions. And those kids, if you even if you even deviate from the line, they start calling you a traitor. And you know now we have the power of social media, uh, which we're already seeing. You know we can talk a little bit today about some of the social media chaos that's happened with regard to uh, there's you know Ryan Murphy and other things that are happening in the guild the last few days. Uh, and so. We're we're in a bad situation because even if they were ready, let's say, you know, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, the studios are ready to make a deal. Not so sure our guild leadership is going to be ready to come, you know, to at least come back and negotiate beyond just give us what we demand, right? Yeah. And that that's not a negotiation. Uh, and so uh, we're 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 in, a, we're in a quandary right now. So it may go longer than anybody wants because the the studios are getting what they want, which is they're canceling the deals, and then they'll be ready to make a deal. I'm not so sure we're ready to make a deal, which is a problem. Now, you contrast that with some of the rumblings that I'm hearing on social media about the Directors Guild mm -hmm. and the fact that a lot of the membership is sitting there going, well, yeah, we're probably going to vote yes on, on the deal because we want to get back to work. Mm -hmm. But if the writer's strike continues... Um, how, how does that, excuse me, how does, how do the directors move forward, uh, with anything if the writers are still on strike? And, and again, you still have SAG sitting out there with that possibility that they could go on strike here at the end of the, at the end of the month or, or beginning of July. So where, where does that leave them? If the director's guild sits there and goes, yeah, okay, it's not a great deal, but we'll get, we'll take the deal. That really doesn't do them any good if, if. Everything's still shut down. So let me address each of those points. So okay. let's start with the directors. Uh, the Directors Guild, uh, yeah, I mean, if if drama is shut down, a lot of directors aren't going to work. When I use the word drama or comedy, we have a very large amount of reality 
work yeah. that they can do, right? You know, they 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 will be working. There will be working uh, directors who are you know directing Vanderpump Rules and stuff like that, and you know, and and adventure shows. I'm a big fan of Expedition Unknown. I like that show, right? So uh, there'll be people that are that are going to be working. Uh, you know, they're they're just not necessarily going to be doing scripted material. Uh, and so, so that they, so that money is going to flow into the director. So they'll, they'll, you know, a lot of them will be okay. Uh, and then the Screen Actors Guild, uh, you know, if the Screen Actors Guild were to go out, yeah, that would that would be pretty devastating for the town because that's gonna, you know, that's gonna shut down a lot of stuff. Uh, but right now, I don't believe that's going to happen uh, because uh, we have, we Variety just a few days ago reported that the uh, based on multiple sources that wouldn't give their names, but, you know, they're trying to protect themselves yeah. uh, and try to protect the process. But Variety claimed to have multiple sources uh, that said that the Screen Actors Guild and the uh, and the studios were planning to extend their negotiations past the deadline for for the contract, which is June 30th. And the end that they're and now uh, some reports started coming out yesterday that they're actually planning to extend it past July 7th. So the significance of that is that when uh, you hear that a, that a union or a guild is has done something like that, extended past the deadline. It's because they're seeing a pathway towards a deal, and they and they they've calculated that look, you know, in order for us to address this, this, and this, this issues, and get it back to our lawyers, and get it back to their lawyers, and get 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 our people to be okay with it, get their top people in the AMPTP, the the studios group, to be okay with it. It's going to take this amount of time, so we're probably not going to be able to. To get everyone to sign off on it on July 1st or June 30th, give us a few more days. You only think in those terms if you're like, we got to get everybody to sign off on this, right? right. And uh, the the opposite we saw with the Writers Guild, which is that everyone walked away from the table four hours before the deadline, which is really, you know, it's really disappointing because a couple of years ago there was another contentious, uh, you know, Writers uh, Writers Guild uh, uh, in negotiation in in the height of the pandemic, so we really didn't want to strike. Uh, and I think the guild sort of knew that they, they, that nobody was willing to strike at the time. So what did they do? The guild and the studios they worked, I believe, you know, well past midnight uh, on the deadline and to get it done. So when you want to get it done, you get it done. Here, when it's like nine o'clock at night, we're all, we're all done. It means you don't want to get it done, right? And now, if the SAG is saying we we'd like more time to get it done, it means they think they can get it done. Yeah. Now you um, you've talked in the past. Mm-hmm. About this category uh, called financial core, yeah, where you have writers and they've they've posted uh, uh, writers guild has posted lists uh, about uh, financial core people leaving the guild to, to you know to a different status, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Let me do this here real quick. We're going to take a quick break. Judas just ring, rung in. So let's get him set up on this, and we will be right back with more right after this. Stand by. If you unsubscribe to our podcasts, our legion is doomed. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic-Con updates and the weather. And the occasional interview along the way, we call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. 
Back live from the bunker, Jason Hutt here along with Cameron Pasha and Judah Engelmeyer. He's the president of Herald PR, which is a crisis public relations firm in New York. And uh, we were talking just just before the break, Judah, about uh, everything that's going on with the Writers Guild strike and all of that. Let me ask you this for a second. As, as a PR person, there are two sides in this conflict. And no, there's a th- there are three sides actually your side, my side, and the truth. Well, okay, all right, I stand corrected. But if you're say they come to you and they say, okay, how do we spin this? Because now we've got the force majeure letters going out, projects are being canceled, and I'm sure, and and Cameron, you you could probably back me up on this or or correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the writers' side of things are going to be look at how terrible the studios are. They're cutting, they're cutting us out of work. We're not going to be able to do anything. Blah blah blah. Where the studios are like, look, this is all costing us money. We've got these, uh, like with Metropolis, these these push costs of bumping everything back. It's all turned into very expensive stuff. We can't afford it. How how does each side spin this? to their benefit and how do you get to the to the middle back to the negotiating table well i I think first of all cooler heads have to prevail first of all i mean to get to the negotiating table you have to make the public argument that yes there are people on both sides who have a proper and 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 i guess reasonable argument for their positions for stating what they're stating what they're stating these studios are probably in their heads not thinking that they're never going to give a little bit but like anything else they're always put. You push the envelope as far as you can, so you come where, but come back somewhere in the middle. Uh, the writers, on the other hand, they're probably in a position where they want the most they can get, and and and, and I don't know how you know the unions might be thinking that they're they're going to try to push as much as they can have, and, and or or they, they might be able to come to a middle. But every writer is thinking they're going to you know that 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 they're banking on this is going to be their last job. They don't know if they can get another one after this, and they need to make as much as they can on this one right now. Um, so it's going to be hard. I think that if I were working for the writers, I I would I would tell them they have to be reasonable in what they're asking for and also recognize the times too. look at look at look look at the expenses that everybody has in common life right now um you know just going shopping grocery shopping has become more expensive not that that's their immediate problem but they but they have to recognize that the cost of living for everybody is higher and look at the studios have they been making as much money as they used to make are as many movies coming out since COVID, i think that there's been a large drop in the amount of films coming out, the amount of films coming to theater, things going directly to streaming, um, and I, I think that 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 you know you have to look reasonably at studios are looking to see how they can maximize their profits and revenues, and recognize they're the ones making a lot of the money. The writers are not. The writers have to understand that they have to be reasonable in their requests and know that if they're asking for the maximum, they're going to come back somewhere in the center also, as long as they realize that 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 that's where they're going to come back to. Um, I, I think I think that, that that's a good message. They have to uh, both appear they're willing to negotiate, and they have to be and, and be be reasonably ready to actually give up. I think the best negotiations you get is when both sides don't get what they want. Right, Cameron, does so, that track with the reality of Hollywood? Because Hollywood is kind of its own little island of of pseudo reality out there. Is that is that a, is that a reasonable approach that Judah's just given us here? Well, that is the reasonable approach, and that is the rational approach, and that's how things normally work. Uh, you know, I'm now going to uh, give my opinion, which is that unfortunately now I'm just going to be very critical of my own guild because ultimately the the studios are just they're just exactly as Judas described me. They're just trying to do business, right? Yeah. They're trying to make money, and uh, and you know that's it, and that's a very rational uh, thing. And whereas unfortunately, uh, 
as I've witnessed my guild devolve in the last several years into this, what I've mentioned earlier before Judah came on, into an ideological situation uh, that's compounded by a lot of young members, a lot of social media obsession, uh, that there's, there is not, there is, a frank, I'm going to be as frank as possible, there is, the guild has taken on a frankly Maoist perspective on things you know you know it's it's we all gotta we are on board with this this social agenda the little red book right and uh and it's it is really maoism it's 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 a very extreme form of collectivism uh that that very that intensified during the uh, uh that or really solidified during the ata action against the agents where we turned against our own agents for for two years yeah for two years no one thought this was going to go for two years right. because you should have been able to make a rational resolution with them in fact the agents did try to make resolutions you know they offered look you don't you know you, you're upset with the packaging fees we'll split the packaging fees with you rational people like me were like i'll take i'll take the money you want to split the packaging fees you i'll take it i'll take it right right and a lot of us like that's what i thought that's what i thought we were doing. no and and the guild said no we want this practice to end we want it to end and so they fought for two years and the only reason they got it to end was frankly because of covid uh, uh, you know deus ex machina god in the machine an external event happened otherwise we'd still be without agents today because they 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 to this day they have not acknowledged that letting go of our agents has not brought any benefits the very fact that today we are on strike we were told uh, during the whole agency thing that that the ending of packaging would flood money into the coffers of average writers. Really? Then why are we on strike? And right. so it doesn't make any sense. And so we are unfortunately not in the position that Judah's talking about because we have uh, a cultural shift that has taken over the Writers Guild, which is frankly bizarre. And I've been a very public uh, opponent of to the point that I've, you know, been somewhat blacklisted by a lot of my fellow writers. They don't want to hear it. But I'm like, but, what, but everything I predict keeps happening and you guys don't listen. <laughs> but but it's not really a cultural shift because unions have operated like that. The problem is that over time, unions have been pushed back by the big organizations and mm-hmm. and and capitalism has 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 taken root and you know and and yeah. and pe- pe- people who want to work work people don't and you know but I think that over the past several years we've seen the a real growth of the entitlement um, of, 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 the, of the younger people who feel they can dictate terms and policies. I you know I, I run a company. I've been coming. To, I've been going to. I travel from from Bergen County, New Jersey, into the city every day, and you know. And during COVID, that stopped for a little bit. But that's you know, you you collaborate, you meet people, you talk to people. Now everyone's making turns. They want a job with me if they don't have to come in. They they're telling me <laughs> they'll make a deal with me if they can come only three days a week and you know take off seventeen days every year. I mean, they're telling me what their terms are. I'm like, I, that's not how I made a living. That's not how I knew how, when I was younger, how to make it in the workforce. But there's a whole new world out there. And I th- I'm afraid that the unions are now yielding to the, or, or at least bring, uh, capitulating to the members or bring in those members, actually, who are going to reflect the actual Maoist style union. That that, that 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 they that they were trying to build and now and and now and the union leaders are telling these they're telling membership what they want to hear yeah well, you don't have to you're going to get paid you don't have to do anything that's the new world today that can't, well, see, and that i will if i if i may if i may yeah. i just want to build on exactly the last point that judah is saying which is the the issue in contention that is continuing this strike uh which i opposed from the beginning the moment i heard about it because i 
thought it out, just like I thought out the agency action, right, uh, was the position they are, the current guild is holding is they're demanding that the guild be able to dictate, dictate the size of writers' rooms, the minimum size, uh, wow. that you know, which is normally determined between the studio and the showrunner. Yeah. This is your wow. budget. How many people can you hire for that? Okay, you want to hire this many executive producers? Well, you only have this much of a budget. So we that's what we do, and we know every show is a different situation some shows are written by eight people some shows are written by one person right you know and 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 it all works out so but in order to satisfy this young maoist contingent that expects to be fully employed all the time which doesn't matter you, you know judah we worked for years i'm 22 years you know my all it is, it's gig to gig sometimes yeah. you're not working for a couple of years and that's the way it is sometimes you take a step forward and the next job is you go backwards in title right. and you pay it's just the reality of the world that's they don't the world understand. Yes. Yeah. yeah and these young kids are like no i have to be you know i i have to be guaranteed this and next thing i have to be guaranteed a promotion next year then i'm a showrunner in year three and has to be guaranteed in writing in law look that doesn't that's not how the world works right. certainly in the creative profession so they insisted on this thing in order to give the young people saying, we're going to guarantee you work. Right. We're going to, it's a you know, universal basic income. You'll never have to worry again because we're going to force them. If, if Taylor Sheridan only wants to uh, uh, write the show himself, well, now he's required to hire, you know, six people. And right. Taylor Sheridan came out yesterday and said, fine, you know, I'll hire those six people. I'm just not going to give them a script because I want to write it all myself. So they're just going to sit there. I'm never going to see them. They're right. just going to get free paychecks. And yeah. frankly, the young people are fine with it. They love yeah. but that's what they yeah. want to hear. You know, listen, as you know, the, 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 in, in, in municipal unions, used to always be the joke. You know, you hire one person who screws in the light bulb, the other person who screws who unscrews it. You can't, the one person, one person who screws in is not allowed to do the other job either. Well, and, yeah. and, and that exists, you know, you, on the yeah. set, you know, you, we yeah. are, the running joke is, you know, we, and I've experienced it directly. Like when I came, it was like 4 a.m. in the morning. I was tired. I've been working all night on set, right? Not even set. It was on location somewhere in New York in the middle of the, and I could come bumbling back to the carport saying, somebody take me back to my hotel. And the teamsters there is like he's just sitting there, and I was like, "Hey, sir, so I'm, so I'm, I'm, you know, I was a producer on the show. I was like, yeah, sir, so I'm, I'm ready to go back to the hotel." He's like, "Oh, it's not my job. My job's take you there, not back." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, well, "Whose job is it? I got to get back to the hotel. I'm in the middle of nowhere, right?" It was, "It's not my job," and he couldn't right. care less. He's like, and, and, but and 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 now that that very mentality is becoming the way of life for these for these 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 these. these 20 to 35 40 year old people kids yeah. who've who've grown up in a different world of entitlement and yeah. and, and it's bizarre to me that that's and and, and listen look at hollywood i i'm i i obviously on the one hand i could i could i could mock the excess of hollywood and how much they pay actors and all that on the other hand it's a it, it, you could see that it's taken a hit you could see it's not what it used to be yeah. you know anyone looking or anyone who's ever been you know even near the industry not necessarily inside of it can see that it's not what it used to be so of course and then look at the competition out there now they're 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 you know you could have a real script writer and real actors being beaten out by reality shows which which are meaningless <laughs> and doesn't you know and 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 everyone's competing now and the writers have to understand that they could very easily be squeezed out and replaced Cameron, let me ask you this because we talked about this right before the break. Financial core. You talk about a lot of these, a lot of the writers who are. There's probably a number of them who are like you, where you know, hey, let's let's make a deal, and the leadership is standing in the way of that. But there's this thing called financial core, which is a different status of membership. Yes. And the Writers Guild put out a list of people who had essentially left the guild and they were on that 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 sheet 
and George Lucas is on that list. Steven Soderbergh's on that list. And everyone's like, well, wait a minute. I don't see this as a bad thing. How is this yeah, Francis a negative? Francis Ford Coppola's on there. Yeah. George Clooney's on there. So, so if you could... Stone went by core a couple of years ago. I explain, mean, explain for the audience, the people who who are not inside baseball here, what does financial core actually mean? And does that give writers that are members of the Guild basically a way out that they can sit there and go, okay, I, you guys stay on strike and the guild can do what they do. I'll give you my dues, but I'm going to go back to work. Okay. So very quick context. Financial Corps was created by the U.S. Supreme Court, I believe, in like 1964, so mid-60s, right, uh, in relationship uh, to uh, some lawsuits brought by by unions. I think it might have been auto workers union, but it was it was it was, it was nuts and bolts unions, right, right. Uh, who were saying, I, you know, I don't want my union is supporting all these communist, you know, agitators and political candidates. I don't want I don't want my money going to that. Right. right. So the, so and they're like, OK, and I don't want to be bound by these stupid rules, you know, that these these people politically I don't agree with the unions forcing me to obey with. So the Supreme Court carved out this thing called the, the financial, which is law of the land, which is essentially for any union, uh, you can take, once you're admitted, once you have been actually admitted to the guild, a guild example, a writer's guild, or, or any union, you can then take financial core status, which means that you essentially you become a, a, a dues-paying non-member, which right. means you continue to pay dues into the into the system, supports you know, it supports the structure of the union. Right. Like you're paying your dues. However, you are no longer allowed to vote. You you know, and uh, you're not supposed to participate in the public. At the same time, you're free then to not you know have your money go to political contributions you don't agree with. Right. And in theory, and uh, you are free to also take work outside the union as long as you work within the union. Now, for auto workers, that's not really a problem. The issue is politics because I don't want my money going to support this political candidate. Right. Because right. you. If you say, oh, I go five core as an auto worker, well, where are you going to work? Right, right. Right. What are your alternatives? How many, you know, how many all GM? I mean, there's only there. Right. Where are you going to go? Right. And so, you know, however, in in creative unions, particularly the Writers Guild, there are other alternatives. So if someone goes five core, suddenly there's all this vast independent film world of right. all these jobs working on a project in Romania for below guild minimums, right? But just getting by. And yeah. suddenly all that work is available to you. And and also in television, if I were to go FICOR, for example, I'm not, uh, but if I were, that, uh, you know, they... Uh, I could go back to work right now on my project on my network. I have a project and network I'm developing that's on hold because of the strike. Uh, I handed an episode two of the script the day before the strike, and now it's on hold, right? And so I should go back to work. And so the danger that that creates in the Writers Guild specifically is people could just say, I'm out. And then I can just go back and work in this world, right, that is without without having to obey the guild. And there are currently approximately, what, 15,000 members of the guild uh, and – you know, I think there's 20,000 theoretically, but 15,000, maybe 11,000, 12,000 can vote. That have, but of those, all you need is a couple hundred of those to go fight core, and, and the guild loses all negotiation power. You right. know, you get Taylor Sheridan, you get Ryan Murphy, you know, you get Shonda Rhimes, you get even me, you get Ryan, people. Just go, we're, we're done. We're, we're fight coring out. We'll pay you the guilds. We're going to pay you dues, but we're done. We're going to go back to work. Right. And how's the guild gonna? What negotiation power does that? Because suddenly, two hundred people is enough to run the entire television business. Right. Two hundred people is enough to get movies back right writing. That's all you need, because two hundred people are pretty much who are working anyway, right? right. <laughs> so, and on a consistent basis, so that'll destroy the writers' guild. Then it's just people standing out with with picket signs, but have no leverage because everything is in production. So what's your right. leverage? Right? So it doesn't mean anything. So 
that is the greatest fear. And the Writers Guild, in order, is terrified that people will take that option because nothing is stopping us legally from doing it at any right. moment. Yeah. The Supreme Court has given us the right. So what they did in 2008, which was really shameful, is the day the strike ended, we were all so excited. It's over. We signed our thing. We're done. Back to work. Then the uh, the ideological leaders of the guild sent out an email blast of everyone that went five core during the strike, listing their names. Calling call them, call, call them scabs, blacklist them. Yep. Yeah. Correct. And you know the funny thing is, five uh, fact, we were all like, most of us were like, this is really ugly stuff, right? You know, don't, just don't do this, right? This because we already went through blacklisting in the fifties and sixties United States, right? We don't want to do this again, right? And, but they did it. And the end result was what all those people succeeded anyway. The most prominent member was John Ridley, who was a screenwriter that publicly went FICO. He wrote a, he wrote a Huffington Post article about it, about his disagreements of the strike, and he left. And John Ridley then went on to win the Oscar for, for 12 Years a Slave, right? And he's a very successful showrunner. He's probably, I heard an estimate, he's probably worth something like $70, 80000000 million now since he went FICO. So, yeah. so that realization was like, well, and then the, then these guilds, because they're not that smart, they put out that, these guys aren't smart. And they put out that, uh, they, and I think, you know, <laughs> Judah, you would have advised him not to do it. You know, a guild, one of the guild leaders put out that list of who, uh, right. you know, a few days ago, as a, almost as a warning. You know, there's a list out there, and you don't want your name on this list because we're going to publicize it. Well, because because the, the, the popular thing now is cancel culture. Let's cancel yeah. people now, and and that's that's the big fear everyone has. Nobody yeah, wants to be problem, that person, right? But the problem is, you look at the list, like it's Steven Soderbergh, it's yeah. Francis Ford Coppola, it's it's George Lucas, it's, it's like people, you know, it's, it's people you know and who are successful and who've made it. Right, yeah, so Sylvester exactly. Stallone, who got an Oscar nomination for Rock yeah. for writing Rocky, right? Like, right? Wait, all of these Oscar nominated, Oscar winning people have left, and they're working. You know, you're like, so what exactly so is what, my... Right, so what's the threat? What are you telling me there? What, right, yeah. exactly. yeah, and they're all working today. I mean, and so these people aren't that smart. They're like, but the what has held people together is just the fear of cancellation. Right. Uh, it's more actually social cancellation, Judah. It's yeah, like, that's but that's what is it? That, that, that's it's social cancellation, correct? It's like well, I won't be invited to my my friends' won't. And there are people I know people who have said if anyone yeah. goes five four, they're not invited to my house ever again. Yeah. I'm never going to talk to them again, right? Because you've abandoned us. Yeah, go off and be rich. I'm like, well, if you, it's going to come down to. Uh, Feed my family or not go into your house. You know, a lot of people are going to make a certain choice, right? Exactly. So, Cameron, let me ask you: How long do you figure before uh, writers start to make that decision? And then you look at that, coupled with, you know, the studios at some point are not going to have material that they can put into the theaters. It's going to be like COVID all over again. Where you know, how long does this deal go before? We're back in that situation where there's no movies going up on screens. There's nothing to put on the TV screens. Yeah, they're going to have to really hit the ground running with cheap, fast, get them out the door productions once the deals are done. But if you've got people going FICOR and then you've got, you know, like Disney, for example, facing the Hulu thing coming up at the end of the year, you know, the money crunch. And you know, you've talked about this with the, with your theories about the FTX and now with Christine McCarthy gone and Tondra Newton gone, all of the stuff that's happening at Disney. And then the the failures at the box office for, you know, the Flash, you know, Warner Brothers has got to be feeling the pinch a little bit now because they're sitting there going, hey, we're going to take some HBO content. We're going to license it to Netflix. You know, that tells me Netflix just won the streaming wars. All of this, all of this financial pressure is almost like this perfect storm of financial pressure that's coming to bear from various different sectors. When does this break? 
I, well, I think the, the writers will break before the studios break. The yeah. studios were preparing for this. They have a lot already in, uh, you know. Right, they have a lot of content already, yeah. In es- already in escrow. They've got, they got international content that's a good there. People are now used to watching Korean shows on mm. Netflix. That was it's a cultural shift, right? People are not afraid to look at subtitles anymore. So they're going to, they're, they're, they'll bring in all that stuff. And, and that, that's a valid point. The, inter- the international shows on the streaming, on, on the streaming networks have been, and they've been pretty good also. And, and, and people, yeah. and they're, they're getting reviewed, they're getting rave reviews. They're getting lo- lo- lots of, you know, lots of eyeballs on them and they're creating, and they're putting out more and more and more all the time. You know, remember when, when Israel first came out with Fauda, now they have like 17 different shows out there and none of these people are bound by, the American Turkey is doing great. Yeah. Turkey is producing content worldwide. It's coming to America yeah. now. And, you know, and so, yeah, I think on a time frame, I think that the writers, assuming I, I have a good, I have a, I have a hope scenario and then the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is that we're ready to, let's say, I believe SAG's going to make a deal. And then I think the studios will be ready to come back. And, and then the, and the writers go like, well, we demand this minimum room requirement. And the studio said, that's not negotiable. We don't want it. Your showrunners don't want it. That's insane. And so then we have an impasse, right? right. And so if that impasse happens, uh, then, because then at that point it's ideological, it's not right. rational. It's not, it's not right. what Judah's saying, economic decision, right? Which is yeah. what DJ is making, which is SAG is probably going to make. So at that point, I think that this thing, you know, already we've got leaders of the guild, like Chris Kaiser, who's who I very, low opinion of uh miss kaiser mr kaiser has been out there saying uh, uh you know that this is going to go on six months or more he's a rich dude he doesn't care he can stay out for six months right, right. six months i mean this is, and so it's most writers if this goes past labor day which is a realistic possibility uh, most writers aren't are, are going to be out i mean i right. think you'll see ficor beginning after labor day because especially if the sag makes a deal and we're sticking to an ideological stance right. the showrunners are now publicly condemning taylor sheridan came out in a hollywood reporter and said you know this whole requiring me, you guilt telling me how many writers I can hire is is wrong. Right. Showrunners have said that privately. Now they're saying it publicly, yeah. and so uh, you know it's going to put the guild in a very bad situation because the leaders and Judah knows this. The leaders are just politicians. They just want the leaders are politicians, and, and the leaders are making their money, and they don't feel what what the what 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 their what their members feel. They really don't. They're big, big talkers, but they're not. They're 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 not scrimping. You know, they're not scrimping for for you know for scrimping for food every you know or for or to, to pay decide whether to pay for milk or pay for heat this week. You know, they're they're big talkers. It's 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 limousine liberals. That's- <laughs> well, that's exactly what they are, and and they've got this vast crowd of young people who are out there. You know, I've got some young mentees who bought into all of this. Who you know, I tried to tell them that this this and this doesn't make any sense, and they're like, no, they they would never lie to us. Oh, like, right. What do you mean, politicians will lie? Didn't they promise you you'd get your agent back after the ATA action? You still don't have an agent, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and didn't right. they promise you these things and they didn't happen for you? Uh, and so, you know, so they've got this army of young people that they that who they're also trapped by because, as Judah said, those young people, if Chris Kaiser is finally forced by the showrunners, all right, get rid of this thing, make a deal. The young people are going to erupt. You lied to us. You right. betrayed us. It'll right. be it'll be the time when the gang of four is being held responsible, right? Exactly. You know, after the Cultural Revolution fails, right? And so they're they're scared of the mob that they've created, right? So what what happens when when the studios finally sit there and they've they've gone long enough to make the deals and and you know they've canceled out however many projects they do. All of the stuff is done. However many writers go FICOR, do that. And 
now, okay, deal is done. We're all, everybody getting back to work. How does the studio get the pipeline cranked back up again? What are the steps do you think they'll take? Are we looking at, let's just start up with 20, $30 million pictures and get something cranked out? Or are we going to do a big $250 million blockbuster to make a big splash coming back in the theaters? Well, I'll let you take some of this. Is but my, my view is that, again, they've planned this out and they've got a lot of stuff that, you know, they've got scripts ready to, they've have mm-hmm. scripts ready. Because part of, you know, especially with movies, I mean, the, the best draft was the fourth draft before the current one, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? right, right yeah. So they, they've got all this stuff that they can just make it remake, right? That's already right. there, right? Uh, and so uh, with television, it, it's a machine. It'll just activate. It'll go back, you know, in 2008, the machine, you know, I was working on Bionic Woman remake and NBC. That when that when the strike ended, that job ended. It, they didn't, it didn't come back. Uh, but t- television was back up and running within a week. Right. No. And that, that's what's good. I'll let you to. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know what every studio is going to decide, but I believe that the big studios have their, they, they, they have their compartmental, you know, they're compartmentalized, and they, they have their small shows, their, their low budget, um, you know, script based, um, you know, script based shows, and they have their big action, action picks, and they, and. Some of them are are in the pipeline. Some of them have not even you know come to fruition yet. But I think that they they they, they will roll out in the in the manner that they believe that they can get it out quick. The quickest ones first. You get out you know the Bill Murrays of the world and you know and, and on 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 script based you know shows, not not big budget ones. You get those out quicker, and then you get you know with the, you know you got the the old reliable actors you know on on things like that, and try to get those in that indie that indie film feel. Um, to get just to get get rolling while they're working on their big budget features, but even I think they're going to rethink the big budget ones too. Some of them just have not paid off recently either. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that obviously they want them. They think that they're 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 going to you know every, you're hoping one's going to make it for like Avatar, Way of Water. Um, you know the Flash didn't do as well as that, uh, and I, I think they were hoping for it, but but it, but it didn't. Um, yeah. Well, and but, let's uh, talk about that know, for but, just but that, a second. But that's PR. That's your specialty. Uh, a lot. Uh, you know, this Ezra Miller person was always going to bring them disaster yeah yeah i i i think the ezra miller thing is going to bring disaster but i i have to think there's also a little bit of of um of fatigue with 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 that motif anyway because most like ezra miller is not as well known as as uh as some of the other actors who who, who played superheroes before people know who no, he he's is not, and, he's not even as well known as grant gustin who played well, now exactly so to that point though but to that point for judith ezra miller's stuff this is this is something we've talked about before. The fact that you've got the trades and you've got the people like us who pay attention to this stuff, the really esoteric inside baseball stuff. Right. Ezra Miller's situation spilled over into the mainstream media. I mean, right. regular news outlets were covering all of that. So you have right. a little bit more of a splash with regard to what was going on in the public eye, the criminal activity, the, the allegations and all of that other stuff. Right. And I have to think that that probably has factored into the failure of the Flash much more than anybody expected. But I saw a list the other day, and I can't remember where I saw this, but somebody had taken a list of of recent movies that had been released and compared actual box office to projections. And all of the superhero movies, all of them underperformed from from projected revenue. The, anything but that think, was, but think about that, Jason. Think about the reason why. It's like I, I think going back to this a little bit of fatigue. And I got to tell you, I am a huge fan 
of the Marvel world, the DC world. And I, when I was, I think 10 years ago, even going back to early 2000s, I was going to see every, I was standing mm-hmm. online for those movies. And now I'm like, eh, you know what? When they come to HBO, I'll watch it because I don't want to stand online for it. It's yeah. three hours. I got to go to the bathroom three times. I'm sorry, you know, I, it's, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's. They're not as, they're, they're not as fascinating and as captivating as I used to believe they were. Um, you know, and and I and I don't think I'm the only one who feels that way. I think at some point, all right, we did it. We blew the whole world up. Now let's let's have a new story. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and and with uh, with the projections for Indiana Jones. Being sixty to seventy million opening weekend domestic, I don't know that it's even going to do that, given all of the press ahead of time. But Judah, let me ask you this: because uh, the 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 rumors, you know, Disney, all of the rumors swirling around Disney. If you're you're handling the press, the stuff that happened at Con, the early reviews for Indiana Jones were not great. Then you had the same day you had uh, Galactic Star Cruiser is closing. You have Willow getting pulled from Hulu and Disney+. Plus. All of this stuff that looks bad for Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm. There are rumors on the table. Cameron's reported on this. Doomcox reported on this. That there's an offer on the table for Lucasfilm from a buyer. Whether that's some Saudi prince or it's George Lucas or whoever. And now you've got... Tondra Newton leaving as the chief diversity officer within the same week as Christine McCarthy coming and leaving as as chief financial officer. I can't help but think that there's another Disney shoe about to drop here. I mean, we've been talking. I've been going on your show for several years already about Disney shoes dropping every other day, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Um, you know, you don't know. I, I think I, I think going back to some of my original comments a long time ago, is I think Disney became too big for themselves, lost the ideals for what they were and who they were and why and, and, and what made Disney Disney. You know, when my, my grandchildren, I have three little grandchildren and when they think of Disney, they think of Mickey Mouse and princesses. They don't think of Marvel and superheroes. You know, it, it's still Disney. You know, and, and I think Disney doesn't know what it is. And I think that's that's part of that. That's that's still well, part of the problem. Disney knows what it is. It just doesn't want to be that. I mean, right, right. It's got a core competence that's very, very successful. It's very successful. It runs sort deep. Of delusions yeah. wanted all this other stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, and how much how much of that now is exacerbated by the Hulu pressure? Because January is coming and the Hulu thing is going to pop whether Disney's ready for it or not. How much damage do you think that's going to do? Well, I, I, I shared this with our friend Doomcock and with Andre, and I will share this here for your viewers. Uh, I'll give you an example of how desperate Disney is right now for cash, for actual cash in hand. This is how desperate they are. And I think, Judah, you're going to laugh or, uh, you know, when you hear this or certainly be shocked. So uh, a friend of mine who's a top showrunner, we'll talk about an A-list showrunner making big shows, uh, put on a message board a couple of days ago that he was shocked he got a call from his agent that disney had called and said hey we're looking over our books we overpaid you for that show over the last seven years and we need you to write us a very big check today (laughs) have you ever heard of people calling a show owner and saying we're looking at it you know uh we overpaid i mean i've never heard of this that's a little desperation that that that, i mean that that, that's that's a check (laughs) <laughs> if that became public, I mean, it's public now, I guess. But if that became yeah, more public, I didn't name the the, the show. I mean, but, but, but no, but, but but just the fact that they would do it, it's 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 it's, it's it reeks of desperation and and it shows a bad a weak a real weak position. 
I, mean, I, it's, you're, yeah. I mean, this is, I, 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 it just, I was flabbergasted. Everyone was, I was like, what? We're all like, should you, you know, he's like, well, look, should you even pay these guys? He's like, right. my lawyers will talk to them, maybe work out a payment plan. I'm like, you're, he's like, he's, he literally, when he was first, he was like, when I get a check, do I now have to go and call business affairs over there busy? Is this the right amount? Are you sure? Right. Are you sure? <laughs> Did you add another 500 bucks you shouldn't have? Right. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, it's, it's 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 almost it's laughable because a, a it's incompetence on the on 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 the studio side, but it's also it also shows that if if it was if it was if they weren't desperate, they wouldn't be calling these people up for the money. You know, they wouldn't be trying to cash in. You know, well, and and you talk about uh, 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 Doomcock has mentioned this, and I've I've seen this a couple of other places. Price Waterhouse Cooper uh, doing audits and and looking at internal stuff, and I this this kind of goes along those lines. That somewhere internally, there is, you know, and and maybe this is why Christine McCarthy left. I mean, there there's a financial something, and maybe that's the next shoe that's going to drop. Is is and and Cameron, I know you had this theory about the FTX thing, yes. but with with Christine McCarthy leaving, and you've got these audits that are happening, and now this thing, hey, we paid you too much. Uh, how, is Disney in worse shape than anybody really even realizes? Oh, absolutely. It, it is. Be, I mean, the very fact that they're begging people to give them money to send them a refund check, right? I mean, I've never heard of this in my entire career. It's so insane. That's how desperate they are. And, and again, with timing. Uh, right. Doomcox reported uh, Price Waterhouse. You know, our friend Mexican Iron Man says PwC has been their, their primary auditor throughout the last decades. So that makes sense. And my own sources within Lucasfilm have said that external accountants have come in. So that all, so right. And the fact that all this is happening now with people saying, I need a refund on this thing. It's because some accountant is pouring through the books to find every nickel and dime that they can. That's not normal behavior. They're being pressured by something. When do you think they start selling off divisions? They they probably, I mean, I I just, I'm, I'm assuming that they're quietly looking at that right now. I don't think it's when. I think it's a matter of they're they're looking at options, trying to see what's what's easiest, and they're probably you know they're probably talking talking to to private equity funds and stuff like that on the you know background, trying to see if they can get a deal before they make any announcements. Absolutely, you know, and and there's been a bizarre narrative, and dude, I think I would love for you to address this. There is a bizarre narrative that is in the current fandom that it is impossible for for Disney to spin off Lucasfilm or Marvel or Pixar that it's too legally complicated. I'm like, have you guys ever? I worked at Paul White's one of the top law firms in the world, and they have a very large mergers and acquisitions department that that is paid a lot of money to solve problems, yeah. so that billion dollar corporations can do this. I mean, this is a, this is an actual narrative that is all the fandom. It's insane. Isn't that what Warren Buffett did for a living? You know, take companies apart piece by piece and figure yeah. out. It's it's not. It's been done before. <laughs> well, and and, and Disney did it. Goes bankrupt. Di- the court's going to do it. Yeah, Disney okay, did it when they bought uh, when they bought 20th Century Fox. I mean, yeah. it, there there were pieces that split off in that. I mean, Warner Brothers Discovery has done it. And it. But what, this is a what, narrative. This is how yeah. bizarre all these narratives to take over right. the fandom. Where literally, I say these things and I look at the content videos like, well, you know, they're never going to be able to sell it. It's legally impossible. I'm like. What is this? Is this America? It's legally impossible to sell it's, a division. It's, it's it's possible. You know what? It takes it takes lawyers, money, time, and 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 someone to go over contracts with with fine lines and payments being made. It it it's, it, it it happens. It, it's it and it, and it will well, happen. It just it, it's not impossible. Something I just thought of, and this is something that has not been discussed, and it it, it kind of slipped under the radar. 
because people stopped talking about it. There are still pending lawsuits against Disney and Lucasfilm uh, still. I mean, I haven't heard of any kind of settlement being made in those cases yet. Have, have, have either of you seen anything? No, but I, I don't know if that means much because I think that anyone who buys an asset or entity has to inherit the lawsuits too. It's it's uh, it's not you don't have to settle one to sell the other. Yeah, it's it's. It's not. It's not the way. Not the way that you know. Looking Delaware Chancery Court makes its living doing things like that all the time. <laughs> well, Cameron, you said the you were talking about the acolyte on your blog the other day with Leslie Headland. The rumor is that she's gone. She's done. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, oh, I, I say, my insider has seen the evidence that that her connection to the company has been has been cut. So, it, how long before? I, I'm I'm going to put this out there. I'm I'm going to say. Just just because I have been I have been studying at at the uh, at the school of Cameron Pasha uh, Hollywood <laughs> business, I'm going to make the prediction that we hear about the cancellation of the acolyte at the same time Indiana Jones fails at the box office because Bob Iger apparently has let loose the hounds and Kathleen Kennedy is no longer protected. Well, that's clear. I, she's not protected. I mean, she's not. I mean, she's getting embarrassed day after day. You know, so. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, my, my source inside of Lucasfilm uh, has been saying that it's probably that, you know, Ms. Hedlund has been let go. They've, they've seen the evidence yeah. uh, of, of her termination uh, and uh, she's off doing other things. You know, she announced other projects at Freeform, so she's fine. Right. Uh, and with regard to the Acolyte, they are of the opinion that they're never going to announce it's gone. It'll just be, yeah, soon, inshallah, God willing, mm. one day. It's coming soon. It, it'll be, it's the Ryan Johnson trilogy. There's still people saying the Ryan Johnson trilogy is coming, <laughs> right? There's still people saying that today. I see it on blogs, right? right. And so, you know, and, 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 Dis and Lucasfilm benefits from strategic ambiguity. They keep those people who want this trilogy, the 15 of them that want this trilogy, are still happy thinking it's going to happen, right? Uh, and anyone, the, the 12 people that want the, the Acolyte, they need to just keep them happy so they don't create drama. Yeah, it's soon, inshallah. We're just, you know, we got to edit it. We got, you know, it's timing, you know. And then one day they'll just stop talking about it. Yeah. So where do we go from here? I mean, what's what's what is the next month month and a half look like uh just across the board in terms of where what's what's going to happen with with hollywood i mean it's summertime listen it's a summertime slow slow period anyhow in my industry it's a slow period that people expect it so anything that doesn't happen right now we can focus on lost submarine and the debris field that they found and not worry about hollywood today it's uh, you know they'll they'll then they'll be trump will be in the news again tomorrow then biden will be in the news the next day and then ukraine will do something and Russia will do something and will distract us for a little bit um and 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 push you know i, I guess uh, kick, kick the can a little bit down the road i i, I don't think that that anyone is is, is hurrying for an answer uh, and, and I think that the, the 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 studios don't expect to be back fully until after Labor Day, anyhow. Okay, I got a I got a uh, comment over here on Odyssey uh, yep. from Plus Logic. I think the top leadership at Disney didn't lose who who or what Disney was. They purposely shelved it for personal narcissism, uh, personal legacy, and politics, <laughs> and huge ambitions outside of Disney. I think that's fair. 
I think that's fair. That that actor describes Bob Iger, and the karma of it is that Bob Iger now has to dismantle everything that he put into position. Yeah, yeah. and 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 then that's also the curse of listen. When you when you take a company and go public, you have now responsibility to do other things, not just do your core business, but you have to always do better than last year and make your shareholders whole, whole and happy, and and you have a whole new audience of people to you know a whole, whole new band of stakeholders that you have to pay attention to, and that causes the company to go from their core to find out what else they can do to keep on adding and building and growing because yep. you can't just you can't remain stagnant anymore as a publicly mm-hmm. traded company and that's and that, that that's a problem with going public it it, no, the, it, it it forces you yeah those are the pressures there and unfortunately you know mr Iger, in my opinion wasn't the man for the job i mean even mr eisner was more visionary than him in, in his merger with cap cities was was at least right. effective right compared to the acquisitions that mr Iger did which were not well thought out uh and you know you it certainly makes sense to buy lucasville marvel and, and pixar but then to have the management structures put in place in those places that mishandled uh at least in pixar and lucasfilm's case marvel survived for quite some time before its management issues came out but you know this guy literally just said I'll buy the stuff you all figured out. That's not the way you do it. Yeah. Well, I've got a question over here in the chat on YouTube asking about uh, the 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 disconnect between uh, those who are saying it would be difficult for for Disney to sell Lucasfilm, and, and a lot of times I've seen is because of the whole parks and the licensing and all of that. And now you're and and you sit there and say it's it's not that big of a deal. Why do it's a big deal? It's just I mean, doable. Well, I mean, right. yeah, okay, I I misspoke. It, it's doable. Why why do you think that certain people are of the opinion that it can't be done? Where is that coming from? Do you think? And I uh, I don't want to get into too de- too deep in the weeds on, all right, on well, any of that. I, you but... know, I... I have an opinion on this. I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds. Uh, I mean, the people, in my opinion, that are pushing this the most. Uh, some of them are actually just shills for 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 Lucasfilm, and they're they're there to present it. You know the the point of view of, of Lucasfilm, which is no one's ever right. going to sell us. We're never right. going to, you know, we are invincible. I mean, those those the people pushing it, there's it's not a rational stance right. when you keep pushing it. It's because you know your sources are telling you it can't be done, mm-hmm. and you don't have intelligence to understand that your sources are saying, please don't do it because I'll lose my job in in such a right. scenario, right? <laughs> and so that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So and that, that that's all classic crisis PR mode. You yeah. you 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 start planting stories and you plant plant other uh, counter narratives, and you and you're hoping they're going to take root, and you're and, and you're hoping that 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 narrative that takes root is going to direct the actual story that's happening. And so Judah, you just you just explained, uh, you know, YouTube in the last six. months. I mean, right. <laughs> this is this has been, in my opinion, you know, especially out of Lucasfilm, which is the most damaged of the of the subsidiaries of Disney right now. There has been a lot of this propaganda, and I've been trying to point that out. And people are like, yeah, you're just bitter about this. And I was like, no, that's how these things work. That's, I mean, that's, how, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. You know, listen, when people hire me to do crisis PR, it's not just to speak to the Daily Mail, the New York Post, and Fox News. It's to also find ways of getting the narrative out there in a way that creates a story on its own, and other people talk about it, which make it more legitimate when it's coming from the field, right. <laughs> wherever that field might be. Right. Um, and 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 it, it's 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 I would agree with Cameron where 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 it might be coming from. Well, and and I would say it's probably been longer than six months where where some of this stuff has been going on because it it feels like it feels like this kind of thing, not necessarily this particular thing, but just this this whole uh, this whole idea of. Uh, factions setting up on YouTube. This goes all the way back to you know, uh, Last Jedi, Ghostbusters 2016. I mean, when when YouTube started to take off 
and you had various different YouTubers and, and, and whatnot starting to not necessarily take sides, but their positions started to gel and, and become pretty clear. Does does fandom recover from any of this? In in all of this, well, I'm there. There are a lot of there's a lot of us versus them. You talk about the Maoist uh, mode of thought. You know, there's there's a lot of Marxist and Maoist uh, thinking in all of this. This us versus them. There are only two two different possibility answers. How how do we move past that as customers as fans? You know, in the last you know minute, let's solve everybody's problem here. So, so, so Jason, there, there, there's two things. One is that there are there are the diehard devoted fans who care about all the backstories and everything like that, and they might feel offended and won't ever come back again. I don't know. But then there's a lot of people out there just show me something I want to enjoy, and I'll become your fan again. Yeah. Just put something on that's going to make me smile and bring it to the box office, <laughs> or make me turn the you know turn the channel on, and all this stuff goes by the wayside. And I'm just going to continue. And you're almost going to watch. And I, I think I think there are a lot of people who are very simplistic like that. I, we, in, in a vacuum, we can talk and, and start and, and, and have conspiracy theories about everything all day long until, you know, once something actually comes out, all of a sudden I'm satisfied and I'm good. I think I think we're golden now for the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, and that, that's how I, I think people are very simplistic. Give them what they want. Give them something to hang on to and and, and they'll be back. That's my that, that that's my thought. I I think I think I think I think uh, Judah is correct. Uh, I think that the damage of the fandom is more angry people in YouTube comments, right? Yeah, I right. mean, most people just want to watch stuff. If they don't like it, they don't watch it. Uh, if they like it, they come back. It's it's not that emotionally invested in the the narrative of how you know Hollywood has destroyed right. our. I mean, they just, right. they just want to enjoy themselves. If if the Flash didn't enjoy themselves, they ain't gonna watch it. Warner Brothers put out something else that they like. They're gonna watch it, yeah, and right. uh, and I try to speak to that silent majority of of like normies of normal human beings, <laughs> right? right? In my videos, and you know, and try to control, bring the agitators down, which only agitates them more. Well, right. and, and we've got a comment here. Good to hear Judah talking to Cameron. Finally, someone who understands PR. And and you know, I've got I've got to say, you know, I I feel very fortunate to have connected with both of you, but Judah, especially on, on the PR side of things, because that's, that's a component. I think a lot of people fail to realize how important it is, is it's not just what the actual situation is. It's what we make you think the situation is and the spin and the narrative and the stories that go out there. How do we, how do we make this work to our favor? And that's a specialty all in itself that a lot, I think a lot of people don't understand is a critical component in all of this. And I think a lot of it has become even more more profound since, since the advent of social media, because you know now if you you can have the real story and a real newspaper, whatever that is anymore, talk <laughs> right? about it. Yeah. But then you yeah. can have social media chatting about something completely telling a whole different tale, and that becomes the narrative. And you're like, where'd that go? You know. And, and, and I. Right. Yeah, you have to be re you have to be prepared today to to deal with with all the aspects of of of, uh, of media and where it's coming from and address every audience in a way, or at least trying to find a way of addressing those audiences in a way that still makes you makes makes your position whole and makes your position real and understandable and believable. And it's not easy anymore. Yeah. It used to be easy. It is not easy. Um, you know, social media is just a magnet. It just makes things bigger. It doesn't yeah. change human nature. It only makes things worse. 
you know, propaganda has been around long before Goebbels, right? It's been around since the ancient Sumerian Empire, right? Social media media just just made it easier to connect with people, right? Yeah, people people fall for crap, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all the time. People are easily manipulated all the time. They cannot imagine that someone is trying to sucker them because it doesn't occur to them that someone would do that. They can't imagine that sometimes, you know, somebody says – 50% 50% of the truth and 50% of, of a lie in order for you to get to believe the 50% of the lie. They can't right. grasp these things because the vast majority of people just don't think that well. Right. Yeah. right. It's, this is how human beings have organized. Yeah. It's like the so, so first hunter-gatherer said, you know, there's a monster over the hill. You all have to make me king to fight the monster over the hill. Right. And there's no monster over the hill. I mean, there's nothing new about this. But right. social media has just spread the madness further. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, the madness will continue, I'm sure, but uh, we won't, at least not for now. But uh, we will definitely be back to revisit this, I'm sure. And I also want to, at some point in the in the very near future, I want to put together a group to talk about the difference between fans and customers. So I'm going to I'm just going to plant that seed here. And we'll circle back to that because I think there's a very distinct difference between the two. So anyway, we'll 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 plan for that at a, at some point. Uh, Judah Inglemeyer, Cameron Pasha, thanks very much for being here, gentlemen. Uh, where can people find you, Cameron? Let's start with you. Just uh, my Patreon's best place. Patreon slash my name, Cameron Pasha, K A M R A N P A S H A. There you'll get my opinions, my creative insights, and and sometimes some some scoops from inside sources. Uh, but uh, but I would love for you all to come join me. And Judah? And for me, it's just Harold PR, H E R A L D PR dot com. I would tell you to look, you know, just Google my name. I come up all the time and you can look at my opinions. I, 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 don't, I try not to put too many opinions out there because. I, I, I need to I need to be careful about my own opinions versus my my clients' needs. That's right. not your job. It's your clients' opinion that you get out there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, and you can find us at various different social media platforms as well as now on Kick. All those different video platforms there, the newsletter, the Discord server, all those different places. Uh, so connect with us there. Tomorrow on the program, we got Open Line Friday. So join us then tonight. We've got the Ranker Pit. We're talking about the next three episodes of uh, uh, Star Wars Visions Season 2. And we may touch on some of the other stuff going on over there. And uh, and we'll see about that. But uh, do join us for that. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, the uh, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. Four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 